tell me why has it been so long since you've seen each other though since you're since your neighbors and all well i've been on tour yeah what was i even doing yeah i've been playing shows we finished bat mitzvah in like march march mid-march and then i well we had that i was i did the eras tour i was opening up for taylor swift which was a dream and i, I didn't I, I didn't even know that wow yeah. You did so 10 shows? We did 10 shows. It was the time of my life. I literally never, I never wanted it to end. I still don't want it to end. I feel like my mind is still there. Yeah, you're on the high. I'm but... still riding the high and it ended like a month ago. Were you um, guys, it was it was the full band and you were opening every show yes. or how did that work? Just yeah. certain certain shows in certain regions or? We did the whole last leg. So all the West Coast so we did Seattle, Santa Clara, and then all six LA shows. Oh, wow. And we did No Body, No Crime during her set too, which was a dream. It was so much fun. The song where I get murdered. Oh, my sister told me about that. In what, how, in what sense? How do you get murdered? To... What is the song where you get murdered? It's called No Body, No Crime. It's uh-huh. about, uh, it's basically about my husband murdering me but then the rest of it is up for interpretation the rest of the song choose your own adventure there's a (laughs) lot of fan theories about what actually happens in the song okay cool Um, i like that but taylor taylor and i both have an affinity for true crime and over the pandemic i feel like we might have even been this might have been in the midst of when we were scoring Do Revenge. It was while we were doing Do Revenge, Taylor called me and was like, do I have your permission to murder you in a song? And I was like, I will actually be upset if you don't murder me in a song. I think people would pay to get murdered in in her song. Oh my God. They would be down. I was, I'm honored. I'm truly, I was truly honored. During Do Revenge, I think also we were just like, (laughs) We were immersing ourselves in all things crime and whatever. Murder. Revenge. (laughs) Revenge. Retribution. Um, How do I ruin this person's life or wipe them out entirely off the face of the earth? Yeah. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, then we got the bat mitzvah movie and we were like, female friendship. Like, there's also revenge. And there is revenge. There is also revenge. I know. Maybe we're the... Are we the go-to revenge composers? I'll take it. I mean, I would take it. Call us the new Bernard Hermans of the world. <laughs> like that is that is us. I saw a great. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't see it because it's a podcast. I was listening to John Ronson. He did the last day of August, last days of August. It's like this. It's so. It was so good. It was sort of like a true crime podcast. Podcast. Yeah, but what, I love about that what. Um, it's kind of like a, a porn star who looked, it looked like a suicide. And then, you know, you found out about her husband and all these things and the industry. I, and it was just oh, fascinating. I loved it. I, I love to peel back that onion. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm very into it. So this begs the question, are you two wanting to score some sort of true crime series, a podcast, some, something like that? I think all three of us should do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be yeah. it should be a nice trifecta. I like that. Just that imagine awesome. the possibilities. Endless. 
endless yeah. possibilities. Natalie, if if you're in, we're in. I'm speaking for Amanda. We only came here to actually yeah. Yeah, recruit. Yeah, this is like our Shark Tank idea. Hey, Nat. What do you uh, think? I love it. Yes, let's do it. It was, you know, we were talking to Ryan Lott from Sun Lux um, for the podcast. And like, I love this whole thing of just collaborating and finding musicians you like and throwing things to people and making your own samples and, and just like... The community aspect of it that they seem to have going on when they were scoring everything everywhere all, all at once really because I, I tend to do amazing. things yeah but it was it was just cool to hear about their process and I guess with you guys it's like the same thing I love hearing about how people collaborate on score writing and like how did you guys meet well we met through I mean the, there's so many different connections that Amanda and I have but I think technically. Technically, was it through Jen? Jen and like Jennifer Kate and Robinson, the director of Do Revenge, and then Rob Lowry, who was the music soup. Yes. Knew both of us. And I think when they were like thinking about composers for Do Revenge, our names were kind of in, in the zeitgeist of, I don't know, people they were thinking about. Um, and then we just hung out and it was like, yeah, we're doing this. I think first five minutes. I think well when I met Amanda I had just gone through I was in the process of going through a breakup. I was literally right? Wasn't that it? Yeah, you came to my came, studio and yeah. you were like I was like, dude, I this is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the low right now. Let's write some music. Yeah, let's like go. let's I'm emotional. Let's think about something else and write the score. I was yes. like, I'm ready. Let's do it. And can I jump in here and ask, is this kind of like a the legends of, of, of music writing where, you know, really, really difficult situations like this suddenly just start the gears on music ideas. Is that, is, is that what was happening? Like like rumors? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect example. Um, I, I don't, I don't, does that go for you? I should say, is that something that goes for you? I do think there is something about being emotionally charged and then writing something uh, in in a cathartic way, or even just to like get the energy that you're like that you're experiencing kind of out of your body. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's necessary, but I do think that it makes things a little easier. And I do think there is something really nice about being angsty uh, and then writing music. I am a child of Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. And yes. I very much, uh, I think that was kind of, I think when that record came out, that was like the first time I had really seen like a a woman truly losing her shit in a music video. And I was like, that looks like fun. <laughs> so I can't help but think that that might have carried on throughout my life. But I think if anything, coming into the studio after going through a really painful breakup, it was literally like maybe like three or four days after, I think, actually, was actually something that I think bonded the two of us because I think Amanda kind of saw me at my lowest and I felt comfortable enough to kind of allow myself. I think you kind of have to when you go into a session like that. It's the same thing, I think, when we're when I'm writing songs for Haim 
it's the same thing when at the beginning stages of our band when we kind of did that whole like uh, major label dance when we would have to go in with producers and songwriters at the beginning of our career. You kind of have to come in open. And it's scary. It can be really scary. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this time I think was especially heightened because I was super emotional. But Amanda was caring and kind and listened to me while I cried. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I think from there, we just kind of became homies. Yeah, I feel like also in scoring like films, there's sort of an aspect of like, you can kind of like throw away your emotions for a time and like really be with the characters, with the director, and then and kind of just be in that world. Like you would come from like Heim sessions where you're like doing songs that are so personal that you and oh, your yeah. sisters wrote, and then we can just be like all in this other world, which can be cathartic. Different brain. But also like when it does match up, where you're like really feeling a scene, kind of like feeling the character and also feeling it like, oh, I've, yeah, I have this experience or I have some emotion to get out of it. Those are like nice moments, I think. For sure. I think it's like, um, you know how when you're at a restaurant and you're full and then the waitress or the waiter comes up to you and is like dessert and you're like, it's a different stomach. (laughs) I'll have the dessert. I think it's the same thing when you and I were composing different, different stomach. It was a completely different stomach. But like Amanda said, it is, it's not like they're two different worlds. I think they're cousins, obviously. Still, we were still, you know, we're writing music from an emotional place. And we did, you know, getting into the minds of teenage girls, which is what we were doing for both movies. Uh, I don't know if you could pay me to go back there. You couldn't. Mm. Uh, In real life, because it was torturous. Mm -hmm. But it was fun to cosplay for a little bit. I feel like mostly when we would start a scene it would just trigger some wild experience we had as teens. Oh yeah. Dude. This happened to me. And Oh my God. Yeah. Especially in you're so not invited to my bat mitzvah. Like the period scene. I feel like I told you this. Like I got my period for the first time in dance class. (laughs) And I was wearing white, like a white leotard and tights. And fully, fully was I, 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 I didn't feel anything. I don't get cramps or whatever. So I didn't know what was happening. And all of a sudden, my dance teacher just came up to me and like put her arm around me and was like, okay, I'm going to call your mom, go to the bathroom. Because everyone was like, like, and that happened. The cliff scene where she jumped off and her like pad showed. Yeah. And that actually happened to to be on a camping trip. So, oh, no way. Yeah, I told the director, I was like, where'd you, uh, where'd yeah, you, where'd you get that, that idea? They've been that, reading that Amanda's diary. <laughs> Literally reading Amanda's diary. So maybe this is more, this is, I guess, a common thing that happens. 
for people that age. Um, oh God, it happened to me recently. I don't. I think it continues happening. You know, like I. I don't think it's just teenagers that that happens to. I think it's a joy that keeps giving as a woman. I think I that, know. and it also begs the question because, going off what you're saying, same thing happened to me not but a month ago. I was at Maru. Do you guys know about Maru? This fucking coffee shop. Line down the block. Line down the block. Every day. Oh. It's a very trendy. Yes. Like, super cool. The super cool kids of Silver Lake <laughs> and Los Feliz all go to this cafe. And I was wearing gray sweatpants and I got my period and didn't know it. And I bled. Bled. Standing in that line. For like. 45 minutes. You got to really want a coffee to do that. Seriously. But I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't know. But it also begs the question, like, why is this a bad thing? Right. That's I bleed. Yeah. I bleed. I do it once a month. Big fucking deal. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? I think, I think that there needs, it needs to be destigmatized. Because I yeah. don't want to feel I, like the embarrassment that I think a lot of women feel when things like that happen. And it happens all the motherfucking time. Yep. Big deal. And do you feel like there's still a bunch of people that behave just like those those nasty 13-year-old boys that are all yes. pointing the finger and laughing? It's just like... Yes. I never want to go back there. But you get more kind of like uh, horrified sympathy like it's less I think people have more sympathy for you when you're a sort of <laughs> heading towards middle age well that's why I also and, think and that that 13. scene was really hard for us to score because I think both of us were like so sad we were just <laughs> we felt so bad for her for yeah. Stacy because we I mean we both know exactly what that feels like so yeah I think that we have the capability of checking the emotion at the door but also the ability to really let it sink in mm-hmm. and allow the emotion to kind of, I don't know, not dictate what's going on with the score, but to let it happen. I think that like, I think inspiration is kind of like a tornado, right? It just kind of, you just kind of got to be ready when it comes through you. I think we're kind of, we're learning how to always be ready. And I think a lot of that comes from just being open all the time. We're pretty open. Yeah. I think we're pretty open. I think so. I think that's definitely one of the tentpoles of being a composer. I think that you kind of have to be almost like a, what's the word? A vessel, if you will, for inspiration, for the music to come through you. Because I do think that it comes from like an otherworldly place. Yeah. I think so. Right? That's not knowing how these things are practically made as much as obviously you three are. It, 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 it is one of those things where I just think it comes from this magical, mysterious place that people like yourselves are just more sensitive to. And I'll never tire of 
learning about how people get in touch with that. It's, but I do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But you do what? No, no. I just I'm curious about the references, the reference points for the kinds of movies that you've worked on. Like there's a consistency of of kind of some of the same themes. They're teen movies, you know, young people trying to navigate what's appropriate and what's inappropriate in their personal relationships with their friends and this idea of how young people can be very nasty to one another. I, I, it just made me wonder about like, are you, are you watching old teen movies to get ideas? Are you getting ideas from the music of old teen movies? Are you referencing your own experiences more? Are you, what are, what are the reference points for, for movies that deal with this subject matter? I mean, when are we not watching old teen movies? I feel like the references for Do Revenge and Bat Mitzvah were just movies we had just watched growing up. In our up. childhood. Yeah, they were just culturally referencing like the time when we were growing up. Yeah. Um, and what was popular then. Um, musically, I feel like it depends on the film, you know? I, I wouldn't even say the, the music in Do Revenge was like the same no, as... definitely wasn't. No. I think... Do Revenge was way more orchestral. And I, th- but I think like going into both films, I think we definitely wanted, we definitely leaned into the, the, the teen comedy of it all, but also wanted to elevate it and not, you know, I don't know what's the word. Like we didn't want to like do something that was quintessentially teen movie ish, but also wanted to like nod to some of the old teen movies that we loved and kind of wink at them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think especially with You're So Not Invited in My Bat Mitzvah, I think that I grew up going to a bat mitzvah every weekend uh, in seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade. And so my reference points were all songs from 97, 98, or 99. Like those were my bat mitzvah songs. But then I also would go to bat mitzvahs that like my sisters would go to because I would get invited because I'm the number one partier. (laughs) Everyone wanted me at their bat mitzvah. (laughs) And so like from 97 to call it 2004, I was going to like bat mitzvahs with my sisters or I would pick up Alana from the bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah that she was at and make sure that everyone was minding their P's and Q's because some shady shit happens at bar and bat mitzvahs. I remember in seventh grade, Alex Schneiderman brought a Playboy to Jack Zellman's bar mitzvah. And it was, oh my God. Just I, just looking at the boys filing in and out of this broom closet at Stephen S. Wise Temple, uh, just like to take turns looking at this, playboy and just like who's gonna make out with who who's gonna like freak dance with who and I was literally the height that I am now in seventh grade really I was a giant like you look at photos of me at 13 next to the Jewish boys that were in my class powering it was not cute and none of them wanted to dance with me because it just, we looked like frickin' frack. It was just, it was not, <laughs> not cute. So that was painful for me. 
bar mitzvah season and bat mitzvah season, that part was painful. But being able to like party and dance, like was the most fun ever. And then trying to get alcohol from if like the bartender was like cool or not. I'd be like, give me a Shirley Temple, but like make it fun. They would give like, it to you. What does that mean? I'd be like, you know what that means. They were like, no. You know what that means. Just put a little bit of vodka in my Shirley Temple. I'm dead. I Esther, I wanted you to be a character. Your 13 year old self to be a character in these movies. That would have been like the 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 special oh my God. sauce. Just wait for the biopic. <laughs> when I'm in my like 90s. Also, just real. I remembered right now that both in Do Revenge and Bat Mitzvah, there are there's a. Um, poster there's a heim poster in the main characters both of their bedrooms like before we were called oh yeah to score it so i think that's really i you're already both movies um and so funny there were heim needle drops in both movies so maybe it has to do with what the characters are into or something like um Give me, give me all the Haim needle drops in all the movies. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Also for Bat Mitzvah, like, I feel like even though, yes, like they're teen movies, it's like any movie where you were we're starting with like tone first, kind of just like yeah. talking with the directors, seeing like, you know, how the score can function in the storytelling and, you know, what, what emotions they want the score to bring out. Um, and Sammy had a really like strong vision. Sammy was the director for Bat Mitzvah for the score. Really wanted it to be dreamy, heartwarming, like in the clouds. Um, so I feel like we were listening to a lot of like Robin. Yeah. Which is what we listened to as like kids too. Oh my God. We were like, what is that? When you're about to go see your crush, like maybe these like arpeggios are like. Oh yeah. I will say I'm also a DJ. Dancing on my own, when that song comes on. Never fails. Every time. Every, yeah. like, people lose their goddamn shit. Yep. It is the, like, that's the song I play when it's, like, when the person who's party it is comes up to me and is like, SD, we, we have to shut down in 10 minutes. I'm like, that's what we're playing. That's, and then, and then it's some kind of a come down slow song. Dancing on my own is the song that you play when you want like the last bit of energy to just be expelled. And everybody hits the floor and just jumps around and it's everyone. It's just everyone outpouring. Oh my god. Oh my god. I did that my friend it was my friend Harry's wedding and I DJed the wedding. And I've never seen so many people cocking their head back and screaming the lyrics. <laughs> Like, not just, like, screaming the lyrics to, like, each other, but just, like, screaming it to the heavens. It was amazing. That's, I mean, for all you DJs out there, not that you need my help. (laughs) But word to the wise. Word to the wise. Yeah. But, like, what you're doing with your, you've come from, like, seeing how people respond to music and, like, songwriting and then... Like how, so, and you're getting this visceral response back from an audience as a musician. I mean, I used to find this because I was playing a lot before I got into film composing. And 
I kind of miss that. It's like you're in your room on your own and you're the you're responding to this thing and it's just an isolate. Well, you're not isolated because you're doing it together. But like, how did you feel kind of you finished the score and there's no like applause or anything like like did you feel like it's such a different experience like this music making like this is so different but how did yeah how, what was it like like talk through the difference the difference in I mean in changing over like wearing different hats I would have loved to score this live <laughs> can you imagine yeah <laughs> do people do that yeah I think you do, you can do a live score I'm sure yeah, yeah. but like the but like see the process of it not just like does that happen I've heard that there were parts of I can't recall which film or composer, but I, 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 maybe PJ I'm wrong Harvey. about maybe I'm wrong about this, but maybe Johnny Greenwood did a little of that for Spencer. Um, oh, that's cool. But there are some cases, yes, where I think there are some composing what's the term? as off they the go. floor, off the floor, off on the, the cuff. Yeah, whatever, on the floor, off the cuff, whatever, whatever it is. I don't know what um, off the floor is. I, it's just like kind of like recording the <laughs> rehearsal, basically. Yes, yeah. yes, that I'm interested in. Yeah, I, I have you gone to the Hollywood Bowl when they like when they do the live, like when the LA Phil they do like rehearsals that you can sit in on. They do that, but there was a oh, like live scoring. Yes, that to me is something that I think is in Amanda's and I's both of our futures. That would be so much fun. Can you Hell imagine, yeah. like, that's, yeah. let's put that on the bucket list. The last time I did that was at my senior recital, and I was conducting. We had had one rehearsal. We were all hanging on for dear life, but um, that's. I rescored the movie Ponyo. I don't think I beat Joe Hisaishi's uh, visionary <laughs> score for that at my senior recital, but it was really fun. See, like, that to me is probably the, the closest thing to, like, that's something that I'm interested in. I think that there is definitely something really nice about getting immediate feedback from an audience. There's nothing like it. I think that's the reason why so many musicians kind of weirdly get addicted to touring, because it is such a high high mm-hmm. after the show. It's like, I mean, I we just did two shows in London uh, we did All Points East and then we did like an underplay in Shepherd's Bush Empire and I couldn't sleep. I literally finished the show at 11.30 or whatever and then stayed up until six, not partying, till six in my bed eating Nando's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like could not fall asleep. And it's because it's the energy that I think you're giving to an audience and then the audience is giving you that energy back and there's nothing like it. The dialectical relationship I think that artists have with audiences is like, you can't, I don't think you can necessarily replicate, replicate that Mm -hmm. anywhere. So yes, I do think that like, I think I'm very lucky that I have Amanda because if I was doing, I don't know if I could do this on like completely on my own because I've always had collaborators and I do think there is something really magical about having a sounding board. So it is almost like Amanda's my audience and vice versa. I think that we kind of have each other to bounce the energy off of and bounce the ideas off of. Um, I was just, um, so it was PJ Harvey. She did her ninth album, 
the Hope Six Demolition Project in front, like she started scoring it with a live audience. That's so cool. That's great. That's, that's so great. Cool. But then, and then I was just thinking, you know, like that's how it all starts. Silent off if you films. Go back to silent movies. Yeah. Like, you had like someone responding to the audience, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have a set speed that they were playing the film so it would be different each performance like the timings would be slightly different and like i scored i did a little project with daniel hart this year where we rescored a buster keaton movie oh. it wasn't live but it was like god this is so hard to like hit the comedy and get the laughs like i love doing all these kind of um collaborative projects that just get you out of your room and like I think being a film composer could if you're just on your own the whole time and responding to notes or whatever it could be so lonely so it's 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 for me it's like the community of it is what's really special yeah I agree bouncing I feel back like the bar for like receiving stimulation for like me like I've always done music alone like I studied film scoring or took private lessons and wasn't really in like ensembles. I wrote songs because I was like sad alone. And genuinely when like I, I got busted open, I feel like when you came Get into ready. the studio because <laughs> I really had not had, you've been collaborating since My you whole were life. born. Yeah. I had not had that experience. And yeah, I don't know. It was really, it was really, it's definitely opened me up so much more um, to like collaborate. And you've just always been like so nice and like, oh I don't know, like you, you're good at it. You Thank like you. create a very like safe and like fun and open environment. Thank but you, I will like receive, like we'll receive notes from a director that are like, great job. And I'm like, it's yes! as if an arena screamed like yeah. at me, and I look. Yeah. You know, you're like, what? And I'm like, is, we got yeah. the approval. Yeah, and you're like, like okay, great. great, that's an email. But the, you know, like, I'll, oftentimes if you're scoring a film alone, that's like really, that is your feedback after a week of work. It's like a thumbs up in an email. It is so nice. going for a nerdy can I go for a nerdy question just like practically you know like so you've got a film like do you kind of sit in the same room together or are you working in and what do you use what's your what's your DAW our DAW is logic we're in the room together like every day every yeah yeah I my main instrument is is bass and then my voice so I kind of use them in in tandem um and and I'm also a drummer. So like I think a lot of the stuff that I like th- the seedlings of ideas come mostly from percussion and just kind of going off like I write music usually just from a drum beat. That's usually where it starts. And then I'll just vocalize over it or I'll get on the bass and I'll noodle something. I I play guitar too. You also play keys. Like Not well. I will I I know what I'm <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you are way better at it than I am. But I can I can find my way around a keyboard. But the majority of like the majority of m- music that I make comes from a very percussive place. Yeah. So we like sit at the same DAW and bring up the scene. And 
I think it's nice because like I will overthink things greatly and <laughs> noodle for hours. And I'm not joking. Like we'll bring the scene up and as he's like, a ba ba da ba ba da ba, hit that in a melody. <laughs> and it's great. It's so great. It's like we're just laying it down. Like, you know? Spaghetti at the wall. Yeah, is that a word that you got? very spaghetti at the wall. So it's like, and we'll lay something down and if it's cool, we'll finish it or if it's not we'll like get like five other ideas down and yeah i feel like bat mitzvah was cool because it was like it was like very like pop based so i just feel like we just turned on all the synths we like had the bass in and the mics on and like yeah we could just like sing these melodies or like bring up cool patches and stuff and like yeah but how, how do you complement one another stylistically though um and and just in terms of what you what each of you contributes to the ultimate fabric of, of what you're making. Um, it sounds like you vibe very much instinctively, but how does that work? Amanda has an incredible ear for harmony and melody and orchestration. And like to the point where like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually understand sometimes how they do it. Um, the, ability to meld like classical string orchestration in, into pop music is not easy and because sometimes it can go metal and which is not bad but I, I, I remember sitting in a lot of our sessions after coming in from like a night of writing and then the entire like orchestration of the cue was done and and for me that that part of scoring is really is really difficult my mind doesn't work that way I work more on melody and rhythm and like and I think that's kind of the Venn diagram that we have is like I think we're both obsessed with obviously melody but Amanda has this crazy sense of harmony that I'm in awe of. And I think that's what makes the relationship work. Esty is really nerdy in the best way. Like, I can get nerdy, of course, about like samples and whatever, like film composer y like things. Anytime, like, whatever, we'll like lay down a drum beat and you're like, yeah, but check out this album from 1983. <laughs> um, like, B side, 30 <laughs> seconds in, track 16. That snare is the right snare what are you talking about <laughs> like every time we're That's together crazy. i there's new music that i've never heard of that is awesome so i feel like i feel like we both love music obviously but yes. we're, we're and we're into a lot of overlapping stuff but like we also have our own references and like your vision for things is like i don't know i've just feel i really feel like i've learned about so much music for, from you and 
so yeah that way and like shaping the sonics and stuff well i think that's the like a big part of being a composer right is the sonics that you're using and you're basically you're also a producer and you and i think you have to be able to reference different sounds because again if you can't hear it then how do you know what you're going for i think that like especially in a collaborative situation you have to be able to be like wait this is what i'm trying to do this is the sound that i'm going for here it is can we get to something that's close to that and i'm lucky that i am a child of the radio and grew up only listening to what's it called terrestrial terrestrial radio yeah terrestrial radio is like not serious and like like terrestrial is in like earth radio i think i could totally be making this up but basically am fm and you know i we didn't have a cd player or a tape player in our car so i was just listening to the radio my whole life and so i've picked up a lot of different genres and you know my dad listened to um k-love exclusively which is is siete siete punto cinco k-love the tejano music station in los angeles it's my dad's favorite radio station so i listened to that a lot growing up and then k-earth 101 which is the oldie station obviously kiss fm which is the pop station and k-rock which is the alternative station so like those four were like the tent poles for me. And I think that because of that, and because I do love music so much, I do nerd out about Sonics. Well, it sounds like you've absorbed every song you ever heard and know every instrument line and every song. Are you like the rain man of, of music? Like where you just can recall what guitar was used in, you know, the Eagles 1975 recording or whatever. It was a telly. <laughs> it was a telly. Yeah, I feel so like even it's just like known obviously too that like your knack for like melody for harmony and yeah, like bass lines obviously is like amazing, but like yeah, collaborating with you is cool because I don't know, I feel like when you're composing alone, you just have to be like have an idea and be like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's probably <laughs> probably the idea I should go with because it's the yeah. one I have. But yeah, like learning to collaborate, you'll show me like this reference or piece of music that's like I've never even heard of. And and you're like, this is it. <laughs> like overriding, you know, whatever. Like we're just egos aside. But following those threads, you're like, no, no, no. Like, Dude. This is it. This bangs. They'll we'll love it. See. And I'm like. And I mean, I think nine times out of 10, I think especially on You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, I think that we kind of like, we. I think we just directionally knew exactly uh, where we wanted to go. I think on Do Revenge, it took a little bit, it took a little bit of time to nail down exactly what we wanted to do sonically. Mm-hmm. Um. But then one again, once you get it, I feel like it's kind of like you kind of got to be off to the races. And I think that once we kind of had our tools and our palette, I mean, I don't know if it's the same for every composer, but I think we just kind of kept dipping into the tools that we had and the sonic landscape and just stayed the course and like kind of just came back to 
you know, the same synths and the same synth sounds and the same kind of snare sounds and same bass tone, um, especially on Bat Mitzvah. I'm, Do Revenge, honestly, is like kind of a blur now. Does that is that normal? It's like I feel like once you do another score, you kind of erase the experience from the other <laughs> scores. Does that make is that like no? I, again, I'm a baby when it comes to composition. This is like my I've only been doing this for three years, so like all these experiences are very new for me. I remember exactly how I felt on every record I've done, but like I find that I don't even remember what was going on past the last composition that I've done. Does that, like, do you remember exactly how, like, what was going on when you did Loki? I did, well, it's weird because I've never done a second season of something and then I've just finished season two. So that's a first. And like, I definitely, like you say, I'd like set up a template for it and have right. my themes and the, you know, go-to for different characters. So it was like, oh, I know what to do here and everyone likes one and I don't have to kind of sell them a new score because everyone's already on board but um yeah it was nice to kind of slip back into that and remember it um but yeah totally like I think you just go onwards and onwards and then I know I feel like as you get old like as or certainly as I get older and you're dealing with like life at the same time it's just like it feels like everything's always onwards in a bit of a rush like I don't have I feel like I can remember stuff in my 20s when I was at film school like a lot more clearly than something three years ago because I feel like yeah my life is so much more complicated than it used to be (laughs) I don't know right yeah yeah I definitely remember middle school way better than I remember high school but I think it's because I was just doing things that I should not have been doing (laughs) just you know yeah do it do with that information what you will (laughs) <laughs> I don't. High school was a fucking blur. Was the second season like more fun in a way? Or was it kind of like, oh, well, these themes are established and it's kind of like laying bricks and, you know, kind of just building off of what you already made? It was really, it, I, I really enjoyed it because I got to go on set and like I had a little cameo in it. <laughs> so that was kind <gasps> of fun. Congratulations. That's so cool. I really felt part of it and like um, Tom Hiddleston sort of gave me this poetry book and he was like that season two is just it's definitely got a different angle so I think people wanted me to do what I did and then take push it further and and then you're like oh god I I, it's like the second album or something it's like you know you're worried that you can't repeat it and I felt like I was second guessing myself a lot more than I thought I would and feeling a bit more anxious and like oh is this is good and yeah I don't know it's been a really weird process but I I'm I'm happy with it so yeah I guess congratulations at the end of the day congrats <laughs> also like we're literally huge fans like it's half of my brain's like just having this conversation and half of my brain's like wants to interview wait you. Natalie Holt like doubts herself it is nice to yeah. hear that because I think that like we do understand that amazing very much accomplished people doubt themselves but it's different when you hear it from the horse's mouth and there is something really nice about understanding that like yeah we're all human on a spinning rock in a vast universe like you know but I I have a question did you have did you find that the poetry 
helped inform anything that you'd written that you probably wouldn't have done had you not had the poetry? Definitely, yes. Yeah, because I st- I did some stuff with an um, Icelandic choir. and then Amazing. I was like, yeah, and definitely like trying to kind of go deeper into the meaning of what's happening and... and um, and then I, I was trying to write a song as well, like that we were trying to write a song for the last episode. With lyrics? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote with um, Anthony Rosamundo. Who is, oh, I yeah. Did some, yeah, and so I went into the studio with him for kind of a week and used the themes and like carried on. Yeah, it was really interesting. I've not done any songwriting. Like I pl- played in a string quartet, like supporting bands in my 20s. But like actual songwriting, I'm I'm such a newbie at that. So it was so fun to like sit in a room and I really enjoyed the different process of it. It was really fascinating to use that different part of your brain. Yeah, I, I fit maybe we should start asking for poetry from directors. <laughs> that would be actually really helpful. Anything. Anything. Scripts, dailies, like give it to me. I wanna know, you know, I wanna know your favorite music. Like I will yeah. take any I think I'm not a hater of temp too hard. I think it's better when the director can temp music that we've already done. <laughs> that would be nice. Yes. But I do think that having more information rather than, and, and maybe there's two schools of thought on that, but I do think that it is nice to have more info rather than just like sitting at the typewriter with a blank page without any sort of reference, I think is really daunting. Yeah, that I mean, I haven't done like series yet, but I have worked with directors like multiple times and I just feel like you, you know, bust your butt those first like couple months yes. to get to know each other, to like on so many different levels, like what's going on tonally, what are your references, what do you like? So, I don't know, maybe on a second season it would be maybe there's like a more established language creatively yeah. between like you and the showrunner or something. Well, I feel like there's more trust also when you're on a second season or a third season. You know, there's more of a rapport. And yeah, we haven't done that yet. We'll get there. I have faith. I like features. I like features a lot. You know, we get to spend a little more time sinking into developing a specific creative. Yeah. I've, I've assisted and done additional music on series and sometimes it's just... I mean, it, for better or worse, a moving train. Like, you are on that schedule. Yeah, it, it is nice to, to be on features and, like, sit with um, one thing a little bit longer.